When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, the nature of the communication around the framework indicated to me that this would be an area ripe for middle manager training or putting it in your middle manager toolkit or, or whatever you might choose to call it. But it would be a great way to communicate to middle managers, hey, this is a way you can start a communication with your group, your team, your direct reports, who, whoever that might be. In this episode of Compliance in the Weeds, Tom and Matt take a deep dive into how you should start a conversation around values. We expanded into having conversations around compliance and ethics and how having a framework in place for middle managers can give them a way to start a conversation and also some inexpensive ways to bring these topics to your employee base anytime you have a have a meeting. I know you'll enjoy this episode. First, quick message from our sponsor. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. And today we're not exactly going to go meta, but we're going to have a conversation about having a conversation. Matt Kelly wrote a really interesting blog post last week entitled How to Start a, Con- a Values Conversation. So, Matt, with that set up, what interested you and what did you find that we can compliance professionals use to help start a values conversation? Well, yeah, Tom. So this was just good luck. On one of the several Google News alerts that I have set up, I got a result about 10 days ago from Penn State. So Penn State's ethics and compliance program apparently has a resource that is open for the Penn State community and pretty much anyone else who might come across the page, and Google found it for me, that helps people talk about the core ethical values at Penn State. We can get to what those are in a minute, but conceptually, this is something compliance officers may have encountered before. It's just a page that Penn State puts up to help administrators, faculty, and anybody else at the Penn State community be able to start a conversation, I guess, with their team about Penn State's ethical values and how whatever it is that they are doing is related to those ethical values. So, for example, some of the conversation starters, and it's really just a list of, I think, about a dozen questions or so, but some of them are, how do we try to instill the value of fill in the blank, in our daily activities and program? Where do we as a group fall short in demonstrating the value of fill in the blank? 
And how has the value of fill in the blank formed and motivated our work, our goals and daily activities as a group? So the the blank is, of course, what Penn State values are. And for the record, they are community, discovery, excellence, integrity, respect and responsibility. And these resources the Penn State has are just these free-form, open-ended questions you could use to take any of those six core values, drop them into the the fill-in-the-blank sentence, and then get people on your team talking about why what we are doing here as a group is somehow related to Penn State's ethical values. I had heard of this idea before. I know other companies probably do it. I know other companies have done it. I suspect maybe many companies do try to encourage this, but Penn State really just broke it down and made it a very simple, easy-to-use tool for everybody to talk about values at Penn State. So this was certainly interesting, and what I appreciated was the, the questions they laid out and give middle managers or whoever might use it framework to start a conversation. I guess it brought up a couple of different things for me, Matt. First of all, the nature of the communication around the framework indicated to me that this would be an area ripe for middle manager training or putting it in your middle manager toolkit or, or whatever you might choose to call it. But it would be a great way to communicate to middle managers, hey, this is a way you can start a communications with your group, your team, your direct reports, who, whoever that might be. But I've all long thought that there's actually a pretty good corporate example of this that exists that actually ethics and compliance can follow. And that comes to us uh, from the corporate discipline of safety. In the late 1980s uh, and up to early 1990s, there were some horrific, and I mean horrific, chemical plant explosions along the Gulf Coast that I was participated in from the legal perspective. Uh, that sort of time frame ended with the Axon Valdez, which at that point in time was the largest oil spill on the North American continent. And after the Exxon Valdez, Exxon made a conscious decision to make safety number one in their organization. And because Exxon did it, anyone who did business with Exxon had to do it. But the way they did it was exactly what you've described around having a values conversation. It was requiring every employee to be a part of a safety conversation. And that meant literally starting every meeting you know, where two where two or more are gathered in my name with a safety moment. And that certainly you can have some specific safety moments that will lead to safer conditions at work. But what it did was it drove home that message. This is important to us. We're going to ask you to think about it, even for it's 30 to 60 seconds for the next, you know, next, for the next 30 or 60 seconds. At Halliburton, they took that a step further and we had one day a year where there was a one-hour company, or the term they used, but essentially co- shut the company down and everyone went into a safety meeting for an hour. And the president of your business unit gave a talk on safety. And there was always a video about something that, uh, some unsafe condition that led to a horrific accident involving a Halliburton employee. Uh, so it was a worldwide safety shutdown. Uh, and simply by doing that, you commun- Halliburton, Exxon, and all of every company communicated the importance of safety. And I've long advocated that you can do the same thing with compliance. You can have an, a values moment. You can have an ethics moment. You can take these seven uh, or you can take these frameworks and use them. But you can also call upon the people in the meeting. Tom, give us a 
30 seconds on the values that you've used over the past week. Matt, tell us about something you've been thinking about. Did you have a challenge? Doesn't matter what it is, because once you get people thinking along those lines, it will become more front of mind. It will become more ubiquitous in the company and indeed part of the entire company culture. So uh, safety is so important in the petrochemical industry that they made it the number one priority. And you can do the same with uh, ethics, values, compliance, whatever you choose to call it. And having a framework like this really gives those who need to lead bigger meetings a way to lead those discussions. And kind of all, if I can bring it back to the training that you can do as senior managers for middle managers, or I guess compliance to function and go talk to your middle managers and give them all of this as a part of their training but the power is twofold. One, you can give specific moments, but it more it just imbues that culture within the entire organization. So having a framework is great and it can be certainly utilized. And I think if compliance officers would think about it, it's certainly a low cost way to get the value of ethics and compliance pushed down throughout the organization. And it's something that you can use today. We get couple of thoughts about that. I did not know that Exxon was one who had pushed something like this around safety, although that certainly makes sense. Um, DuPont is one that I know that for a long time, DuPont had done something similar, where basically if the meeting was anything larger than two employees who bump into each other at the water cooler, they had to start every meeting by saying, well, we are here for this purpose, it relates back to this of our, I think they had four core values. I don't remember what they are. Anybody who might be listening from DuPont and can remember those days, you know, let me know what was going on. But it really was a very strict policy at DuPont that you were supposed to try to embed a conversation about values into the daily routines. What I do like about the Penn State list of questions, and really it's, I don't even know if it is a framework. You, you mentioned that, Tom. These are just such simple, basic pointers to help people out. But it gets to, I think, a truth that a lot of people might not say that much is like, I think it's kind of weird to talk about this stuff. Uh, you know, like I don't know how often people spontaneously burst into, you know, some sort of soliloquy or Socratic method dialogue about ethics and core ethical values in their organization. I don't. I typically did not unless there was some specific urgency to it. We had a real problem, like, oh boy, now this is not who we are, and you know, how did we get here? That's way, way too late to start talking about the real importance of ethical values. It makes a lot of sense to try and embed an awareness of them at the beginning, but it feels weird. It's kind of outside of people's comfort zone. It's especially outside of your comfort zone if you are not an ethics and compliance professional, and these are questions that they, middle managers, in the first line of defense, or maybe even in the second line, could use to try and get over their self-consciousness about talking about these things until it becomes natural. Uh, and it was funny, Tom, I was thinking as I was looking out through those questions, you know, who is the intended user of this? Who's the audience for it? Really, I, I don't think it's ethics and compliance professionals. They drew up these questions, presumably, and they know how to talk about ethics and ethical values and how they do or don't fit into a corporate culture. But if you are a plant foreman, 
that's going to be weird. If you are somebody who's on the sales team, you might get the idea that you don't want to win by cheating. That kind of feels gross and it's beneath a good salesman. But I don't know how many salesmen have actually ever started a sales meeting by talking about that. These questions can help people like that. And as you had mentioned before, middle managers are the crucial element in all of this. It's easy for senior executives to talk about ethical values. And then I think for a lot of low-level employees, those messages go in one ear and out the other, because why does anybody ever pay attention to what senior management says? It's your middle manager. It's your boss. You pay attention to what they say. And these questions really are geared to help those managers, that audience, and they're a crucial tool. Glad to see Penn State's doing it. I know there are other companies that do it. I don't know who they are other than DuPont and apparently Exxon, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of companies either do something like this or have thought about it. Clearly, it's a, it's a good, worthwhile idea, low cost to produce it, high value once people start to take it up. So the more you talk about it, the more people will think about it. And the more they think about it, they will use it in their day-to-day -day work life. What if at Halliburton, the law department was charged with teaching or training on our code of business ethics or our code of business conduct. And I remember probably one of my most proud moments was in the middle of a negotiation with a major oil company, the CFO who was sitting next to me looked at me and said, we're not going to accept that clause because it would violate our code of business conduct. And I just was blown away. I didn't know he'd listen to one thing I said, uh, but it actually works sometimes. And if people start thinking about that and they start feeling comfortable bringing that up in meetings, and I don't know if he or was a she, if she did it because I was there, or I don't know if she just would have done it anyway, but it didn't matter. She said it. She was right. She used it successfully and it didn't disarm the other side, but it told them that was a line we wouldn't cross and we couldn't cross it because the board of directors had to approve that amendment and nobody had the guts to take to the board in a board meeting minute. So I think the more you can talk about it, uh, anything, values, ethics, compliance, all of those traits and concepts, you're going to have a more, people are going to think about it. You'll have a more robust discussion. And as you said, at low cost and high return, it's about as good as it can get if you take it seriously. You know, Tom, a couple of other thoughts. I do think one point we should remember is how closely doing this ties to the speak up culture that you want. You know, let's game out the counterfactual where the company never really talks about its core ethical values. Well, what happens then is that employees will try and substitute their own ethical values, which would probably be pretty similar. Most people are generally good and are generally in step with the basic ethical duties that we all kind of feel. But you're really asking them to substitute their own best ethical judgment because you haven't quite talked about it in good, relevant ways. That's not going to do you any favors. And then the other reason that we should think about this and how it's probably a good tool is that we do have the Justice Department and other regulators talking about a culture of compliance all the time and how they want to see that. Well, how would you actually try to measure it? You could get to it by things like a employee sentiment survey, things like that. Doing this, giving these tools to help managers talk about ethical values on a daily basis, 
that effort is what gets those numbers on the employee sentiment surveys where you want them to be so that when the regulators do show up and you do have an incident and you are trying to demonstrate that, no, really, this was a rogue element. Generally, our corporate culture is fine. Look at all of these numbers we have in our sentiment surveys and you know, look at all of this other, these other measurements we can take of corporate culture. This is the sort of front end spade work to get that corporate culture where you want it to be when regulators start to ask about it. And if you don't do it, you are creating a vacuum and nature abhors a vacuum. That is true in corporate compliance as well. The employees will step in with their own best guesses as to what they should be doing. Maybe they'll be pretty good at it, and maybe they won't, and it's the won't part that would give me worry. If I can translate that into compliance speak, or as our friend Keith Reed might say, behavioral psychology speak, you have not only found a way to measure your inputs, but you can measure your outcomes. And he wants to impact compliance through its outcomes, and now we have a way to effectively measure that through some type of survey. So I think it's a great way to go forward. I agree. Matt, I can't wait to see what next week brings us. All right, Tom. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories for the best co-host and for best business podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you've thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.